talked to John before. I always talked to Jenny, and not that much anyway, but uh, ask you to remember that family. We'll mention them on our prayer list. Turn with me into your Bibles to Romans. Romans, the ninth chapter. Romans 9. Let's begin with verse 14 and do a little reading. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Whenever we talk about election and uh, people say, well, you know, is that fair? Is that right? But... uh, God is is sovereign. He chose before he created the earth than we who were elected before the foundation of the world. God had wrote their name in the book of life. But we can also say that election, you're not saved just because God elected you. That's confusing. But God has a people. And his son, Jesus Christ, died for every one of his people. And he elected them. But we say here in verse, you know, 14, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Well, said for he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showed mercy. God did not elect it, maybe, even though he knew everything that I would do from the time I was born Till my time to leave this earth. But he didn't choose me because of that, because I was not even born, was not have any life. So Paul answered question in verse 16. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but God showeth mercy. Verse 17, For the scriptures saith unto Pharaoh, Even so this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom 
he will have mercy, and whom he will, he hardens. Thy will say unto them, say unto me, why doth he yet find faith for who have resisted his will? Verse 20, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that replies against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? The house doesn't talk back to you when you build a two-bedroom. The house doesn't say, Why didn't you make it a three-bedroom or four-bedroom? A lot of people don't understand this. They won't accept anything that they understand, don't understand. And I always, if I'm talking to someone face-to-face, I always make, do you understand that television? I don't understand the television. I don't understand a camera. But yet, we want to question God. Why? So God has a man's side and a sovereign side. Man has a responsibility. God's sovereignty will cause man to do exactly what God knew he would do. Didn't force him to. I still believe that whosoever will can and may be saved. The only thing that a lost man needs, humanly speaking, is the word of God. But I'm preached to a lost man until he's old age. He'll never hear the word of God unless the spirit of God quicken him. So when you preach like that or you counsel like that, and people always come up with this notion, then I really don't have anything to do with it. Oh, yeah, you do. God doesn't contradict himself, and he said, you know, we must repent, we must believe. God said in verse 21, have not pot or power over the clay or the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endureth with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? Verse 23, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he hath afore prepared unto glory. Read that verse. If I ask a question or somebody else asked a question, I'm gonna, he said, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessel of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory. God knew when I would be saved. God knew the place I would be saved. See, that's God's side. That's the sovereign side. But what about the responsibility that falls on his elect? 
His elect will respond to it. His non-elect won't. But I don't know who God's elect are. And you don't. But God does. So the answer is what a sovereign God can do. The answer is anything he wants to do. And that's all we got to understand about God's side. God does what he wants to, when he wants to, the way he wants to, and he takes counsel with no man. So the first point is he can save the unsaved. God can save the unsaved. And we ask ourselves, you know, Moms and dads ask themselves, they try to bring that child up in the way that he she, or she could go, but it don't seem to uh, make any difference. You know, they decide on their own. But in reality, you know, when we look at Luke 19, when we look at Luke 19 and verse 10, this is a very interesting verse. He says, for the Son of Man, Luke 19 and verse 10, God said, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why he came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. We know now that whoever God seeks, he finds. Now, when we look at Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, God tells us in verse 12 that at that time ye were without at the time we were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant, the promise, having no hope without God in this world. And you know, friend, church members, brothers and sisters, we need to realize that we are without hope. So we want our family saved, we want our neighbors saved, we want anybody's lost that is saved, so we got a responsibility. But God does the saving. So when we look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. If Christ had not sent, if God had not sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die for sinners, we would have no hope. You can't live good enough. You, you will never, man will never choose God if it's left up to man. Never. Then when will he choose God? When God, by the Holy Spirit, quickens him, makes him alive. 
the spirit has got to quicken. Something that most preachers I haven't heard for a long, long time. God not only quickened me, Brother Steve, but he's one that teaches me. And we sort of turned the Holy Spirit off because of the tongue movement and all that foolishness you see on television and different places. You know, if I've got the Spirit of God, I'm going to speak in tongues. If I've got the Spirit of God, I'm going to have some emotion. It doesn't make me spiritual because I'm quiet, and it doesn't make me spiritual if I get all excited and start jumping up and down. It's not in me. It's in the sovereign God. So we see here in our second point that he can love the unloved. He can love the unloved. I mean, you know, we, be honest, you know, I, I like this person, you know, but, man, they're hard to... Can't be good to them sometimes, you know. We a thought comes to our mind, but when we look at Romans chapter five and verse eight, Romans five and verse eight, we see here that God commanded His love toward us. Notice, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us when we were sinners. But so much of the gospel preaching is you've got to clean your life up. You've got to not do this. You don't have to do that. And then God can save you. No, you can't do anything that is meaningful until God saves you as far as your spiritual life. When God saves you, then you have a different thought life. And then when the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin and God saves you, then the Holy Spirit moves into your life. I had a person just a couple weeks ago I was talking to and he said, what you need, preacher, you need to make the Holy Spirit real in your life. And I looked at him and I said, what you're saying is that I need to speak in tongues, right? I need speak in tongues. Whenever I hear a good gospel message, I need to get excited, jump up, holler, do whatever, that y'all look at people and say they're full of the Spirit. Well, they may be full of the Spirit, but it's not necessarily the Spirit of God. We got to understand that all those angels that was cast out of heaven with Luther They know more about spirituality than we do. But they can't save anybody. So we need to realize that he can love the unlovable. Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, verse 25. As he said also, you know, see, I will call them my people 
which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not the beloved. Now, read that verse. Think about what we just read here in Romans 9, verse 25. As he said also in O.C., I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not my beloved. What is the main point we need to see here? Election didn't save. Election won't save. Notice again, he said, I will call them my people which were not my people. So that does away with the hard shell teaching that if you're one of God's elect, you were born with God already in your life or your spirit, and you just manifested it. But God says here, I was not his people. And the difference is, it's man's side and God's side. God knows. God knows who will be saved and who won't be saved. He not only knows who, he knows when. But that doesn't change the fact that if you go to other scriptures, when he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He can have mercy on the vessel of wrath. How do you know, Brother Vance? He had mercy on me. I was lost for 20-some years. What if I died during that 20 years? That's a big if. But the salvation, the making your election sure, as Paul said in the book of Romans, because I was one of God's elect, that doesn't mean that I'm saved right because he elected me. We've got to believe that. We've got to understand that. And we don't have to understand all of it because I don't understand how one man can give his life and die for all of his elect. But then he gives the answer to that statement my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. God doesn't always work the way we think. Man, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done it that way. But we're not God, see. And we, we don't think the way God thinks. We don't act the way God acts. So as we look in the scriptures and we see what God does and look at Ephesians Ephesians chapter 2 you know 
Notice verse 2. Ephesians 2, 2. Where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. Isn't that all of us? Every one of us in this building that is saved. The first part of Ephesians 2, 2 applies to you and I. Where in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Notice verse 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation, our way of life, in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, were by nature children of wrath, even as others. I mean, you got to ask yourself, you know, how dead is dead? And every one of us that were born in this world, we were born dead to the things of God. A little baby, David's child, born a little depraved sinner. God took that baby to heaven, and we read Psalm 51, and we'll find out that David said, that child's not coming back to me, but I can go to that child. God never alters his plan for the reasoning and the thinking of man. Calvinists loved to quote, you know, Romans 9:21, have not the power, potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and one unto dishonor. But they don't want to follow it up with Jeremiah. The prophet declared that that uh, the potter, who is God, has the power to make the same lump of clay and make it another vessel. God formed me. I was born depraved. God, being the potter, have chosen the divine way for me to be saved the divine way for me to be blessed. And he shows it in the word. Life would be a lot more simpler for everybody if we realize it makes no difference whether we fully understand it or not. And I don't know, maybe some of y'all are a lot smarter than me, and probably most of you are, but do you understand how one man and pay the sin debt of all of his elect. I can't understand that. But I accept it. And you do too if you're saved. You accepted what you could not understand. You know, in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah 18.4, I got this wrote down, so I'll read it. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the, and of the potter. The potter made it, but it was marred. So he made it again, another vessel, 
as seemed good to the potter to make it. In Jeremiah 18:14, I was not what God wanted me to be. So he made me again. And you say, well, preacher, how did he make me again? I was born again. When you're saved, he's making you over. And when we don't act like saved people, when we don't, as a way of life, don't live like saved people, we're saying that God wasn't able. God never forces anybody to be saved. God never forced me to stop smoking. He didn't force me to stop drinking. He didn't force me to stop. He didn't force me to do anything, but he put a new nature in me. And now that new nature Brother Hunley used to say every time you change a blown out light bulb, you're seeing an illustration of what God does. That blown out light bulb used to work. But left to ourselves, we will destroy ourselves. In time, that light bulb will burn out. If we live to the flesh, we'll die of the flesh. Notice with me. Back in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 13, notice what God said. He said, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by what? The blood of Christ. It's the blood of Christ. If you in a wreck or you get cut and, you're, and you lose a lot of blood, the only thing that's going to save you is to replenish your body with the blood. Life is in the blood. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ has said here. We need to understand it. We need to believe it. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Now, it sounds good when a person says, I have decided to follow Jesus, but I'm telling you, left alone, you'll never decide to follow Jesus. Never. And I've had more people disagree with that statement than I have that will agree with it, but, but it makes me wrong because the Bible says it. Dead man will never come to Christ. We know that Lazarus was dead, right? Jesus spoke and Lazarus came forth. He would have never came forth if God hadn't heard the voice. He made him alive. He made him different. So here is a dead man, been in the grave, you know, several days. But when the master said, come, he came. What <coughs> greater hindrance of coming to the Lord than being dead? We know, humanly speaking, that's impossible. 
Now, when we look at Ephesians 2.13 and said, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, made nigh by the blood of Christ, does man have a choice? Sure he does. I had a choice of whether I was come to church this morning or not. Second, does God affect that choice? Yes. How did he affect that choice? If Steve Hampton had never heard the gospel, Steve Hampton would not want to come to church. Now, many people come because... You know, I know a man that he has told me this himself. He said, I'd come to church every week, at least once a week. Why do you come to church? Because my wife would leave me if I didn't. You know. He is doing harm. How's he doing harm? Because I'm sure that when his wife is not around, he doesn't live like he does when his wife is near. I don't know that, but you know. The reason that I and you are here, if we're here because we want to be here, we know that somebody except ourselves worked on our wonder. You don't go to bed and get three, four hours sleep, and you know, and you get up middle of the two or three o'clock in the morning because you couldn't go to sleep. And do I want to? The body doesn't want to. The body wants to go back to bed. The body wants to get some rest. The body wants to take off some time for himself. But through the convicting of the Spirit of God. Now, does God force that choice? Absolutely not. I I had the power to stay home this morning if I so desired. Why didn't I stay at home? Because the Spirit of God has taught me when I'm saved, the moment I got saved, I don't make my own decisions about spiritual things. It's not like me growing up and I'm going to trade cards. I'm not going to get a blue one, a yellow one, a red one, a black one. When God's Holy Spirit touches your heart, you have no control. You may think you do, and I may think, you know, 
I joined Grace Methodist Church because I wanted to. Really? I was as lost as I was before I ever darted the doors of Grace Methodist Church. What happened? The Holy Spirit touched me personally. And you can tell whether you're saved or not. I mean, really, once you're saved, you know, God has many ways on different people. I don't know how it feels like not to come to church. I've never missed church unless I was sick or had surgery since God saved me. But can you imagine if you're saved not wanting to pray? Not wanting to read? Not wanting to tell somebody about Jesus Christ? You may not do it, but there's part of you that wants to. Because that's what Christians do. And the closer you are to the Lord the more you shine. Romans 12, verse 13, you know, talks about God have dealt to every man the measure of faith. You ever wonder what that verse really means? Well, I, when I read that and I study that, I, I ask myself, you know, why would God give me any faith? Because he chose me in Christ before the foundation of the world. We all been taught that. I hope everybody here believes that. God chose me before the foundation of the world. He wrote my name in the book of life. My name is in the book of life before he created this world. See, all that is facts, but that does not excuse me of my responsibility. What God says here in Romans 12 and verse 3, God says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure. So whatever I am spiritually, it wasn't by me. I am what I am by the grace of God. Amen? I'm what I am by his grace. So, I mean, I hear people, I've heard parents, and if you do that, don't do it no more. You know, we tell that lost son, that lost daughter, well, you could do that if you really wanted to. No, they can't. Not until they hear the word of God. And the spirit of God abides in their heart. Salvation is not part man and part God. It's all of God. The sinner, God created that. The only reason I'm living this morning is because of God. And when God says it's time for you to come home, nothing could keep me here. No power. 
For my only desire, my only, is that I want to be ready when he calls. Not just uh, as people say, well, as long as I get to heaven by the skin of the teeth, you know, I don't care. Well, you will. <laughs> and when you get there, you may not believe in the judgment seat of God now, but you will. You know, it's, it's, it's a foolish statement. So as long as I get to heaven, I don't care in what shape. It's not like you're going to buy a new car and when that runs out, you'll maybe buy you another new one. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. If you're not prepared, you're not going. We've got to have a future. Why do we want to get an education? For a future. So we'd have a better future. Why do I want to be saved? For my future. Calvinist doctrine teaches that unsaved man has no ability to believe, yet unbelievers are commanded to choose. I believe Joshua said, choose ye this day. Every day I get up, I, I make an unconscious choice. What am I going to do? Well, it, it depends on who's guiding me. And I know I won't be able to make anybody convince that because God had to t- t- teach me. I don't care what decision I would make. If I made it on my own, it'd be wrong. Why, Brother Vance? Because this body is my enemy. Do you choose to think bad? Do you choose to have doubts? There's no doubting about Jesus Christ. There's no doubting about the Holy Spirit. He's positive. This is the book. If we follow that book, believe that book, and then we read verses where God said this, this, and this. He didn't put those verses in there to fill up space, but so that we can know what God expects of us. You know, you that's just getting in the workforce, you've got to know what your employer expects of you. You know. It don't work if they hire you, set you down, and don't tell you what to do, how they want, want, want it done. Well, this is, this is God's instruction book. And we don't have a choice, you know. Matter of fact, uh, you know, I had a good Thanksgiving dinner. I hope you did. But one of the ladies brought something, and... Uh, Vince brought it out, and I, you know, I would never do it. I wouldn't embarrass nobody, but he did. He said, "This, it don't have no sauce in it." It ain't good without sauce, you know. Kim over in the corner looking at it. Won't you be quiet? Won't you be quiet? <laughs> well, 
God is going to say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Not that I saved you and couldn't keep you saved. I never knew you. I never knew. What does that mean? Of course, he knows us, but he, he didn't know you in the free pardon of sin. And we'd be without excuse. You know, we have got to believe. That's what Romans 10, 19 says. Repent, Acts 17, 30, and come. So you believe, repent, and come. Amen? That's how you, that's the steps of salvation. You know, so when we look at the book of Romans, chapter 10, Verse 9, you know, and repent, Acts 17, 30, and come, Matthew eleven twenty eight. If it is not an inability to believe that makes men lost, then it must be a choice. Think about it. God said, repent or perish. I don't believe that. I'm a good person. You may even list the I don'ts. I don't cuss. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't gamble. I'm faithful to my spouse. I love my kids. Look like a pretty good resume to me. You're going to go to hell as a good person. Because except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So Malai thought that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. But God doesn't force us He said, come. He doesn't say, you know, he's pushing us, shoving us, drawing us. You hear the word, and then he says, come. Father, we thank you.